Hey everyone, and welcome to the City Baptist Church Sermon Podcast, where it's our mission and purpose to help you find and follow Jesus. And I just got to tell you, today I'm excited to be here and studying the Word with you guys. I just want to tell you that, uh, you know, it's something I work on all week long, and I love just being with you and opening the Word of God and learning together. Uh, I learned so much in my study during the week, um, but being with you and speaking it to you and seeing your reaction and connecting with you, I just learned so much, and uh, I just I really look forward to this time. And uh, I'm just thankful that God's Word changes lives. I want to kind of say a few things at the beginning just to remind us of the power of the Word of God. God's Word does change lives. Right here in this room, there's testimonies of many people of God has radically changed your life. Uh, whether you were saved as a child or whether you were saved as an adult, like many of you were, God has radically changed your life, and it's through the power of his word. And I'm thankful that we as a church are able to witness one another growing in grace together. And uh, that's the blessing of a church family, and it's a blessing of being part of a church family that prays and stays together. You know, they say the marriage that prays together will stay together, and uh, that works in the church as well. And being a church that is praying for one another and praying uh, together really does bind us uh, in a very, very unique way. Well, last week we started a new series. I'm calling it kind of a a micro-series, just a few weeks of uh, messages together, where we're talking about the ground level where our faith and our obedience meet. And and to put it very simply, what it means is that there is always a level of obedience that takes place as an expression of a person's faith in Jesus Christ. And so when you put your faith and trust in Jesus and in him alone for your salvation, there is an element, there is an aspect of obedience that follows that for the person that is growing in the relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we, uh, um, oftentimes there are people who maybe get saved, but they don't really grow very much, you know, and they they just sort of continually struggle and, and maybe have some issues there. Uh, And oftentimes, we can pinpoint it to the fact that they're unwilling, uh, possibly, uh, or unknowingly not following the Lord in obedience to his word and the steps that God gives us for growth. And so that's what we are talking about, is that there is a level of obedience that takes place because of our expression of faith. There are behaviors, there are actions that reveal to the person and to others that their faith is uh, genuine. Now, just last Sunday, we were able to celebrate some things as a church family. And last Sunday, we celebrated uh, Rachel Ann and Steve and Sammy becoming members of City Baptist Church. And what an awesome time that was. And we celebrated that. And we're so thankful for their decision to join with the church in that way. As well, uh, we also celebrated the baptism of a Chris and Magda and uh, Owen as well. And that's exciting, right? And you guys were there and we all went, woohoo, you know, that's awesome. And uh, we're excited for their decision to follow after Jesus Christ. We were thrilled to see that step of obedience. And you know what was so great about it is that it was a time of joy, wasn't it? It was a time of celebration. No one was there just like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. You know, like we were excited. We were, we were, we were so thankful for the decision as we watched these six people who desire to take their relationship with their local church and their father, God the Father, to a whole different level. And it was joyful, and it was great because they were taking a step into a deeper level of commitment, and at the same time, it was joyful because it wasn't forced, right? You know, I didn't roll up to Chris and Magda's house and be like, hey, you know what, guys? <laughs> You've been coming to church. You, you, you better do this. If I see you in church again and you're not getting baptized, I'm telling you, hit the road. No, of course not, right? It wasn't forced. I, I didn't, you know, we, we, didn't, uh, we, we didn't, you know, get a few of you men to kind of pressure people when they come in, like, you better join the church now. We've been clocking you. We know how long you've been here, and 
you know, or send Brandon to throw eggs or anything like that. There's no coercion. This is a voluntary decision of obedience to follow Christ. You say, well, Pastor Paul, that's in the Bible. The Bible says you should do that. You should join yourself to a church and you should be baptized. Yes, of course. But it's voluntary, right? That's the great thing about our God. He loves us, but he wants us to choose to love him and choose to obey and choose to follow him. And so to see that happen, uh, it was great and it was joyful as they followed the Lord uh, in, in these ways. Now, the illustration, the reason I share this with you is to remind us of the fact that this is in essence the idea behind the series that we're in. This study uh, where we're picking out some passages and learning uh, that when we grow in our faith, there are some decisions of obedience that take place. Now, we saw that last week in Micah chapter 6 and uh, verse number 8. If you remember that, as we looked at this first one, where God, remember, was extending an opportunity to Israel who was really living in rebellion against God. And God extended an opportunity to them. Remember how the conversation went, though, as we see through Micah? It's kind of like the idea of a back and forth. And so uh, God says, why are you treating me like this? Remember? That's what he said. That's a paraphrase, all right? (laughs) That's the, the, I don't know, anyway, the Connor Connor Standard Version or something. I don't know. Anyway, he says, why are you treating me like this? And then then they responded to him, and they're like, well, what's going to be enough, God? Should we give you our children? Should we sacrifice a thousand rams? Like what's going to be good enough for you, God? And God says this. He says, this is what I require of you. He says, I require to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God. Now, what is so interesting to me about that is that God sort of boiled down the whole law. He didn't say, hey, you got to keep all 613 laws that I've laid out for you. He said, he didn't say, oh, the 10 commandments and you're all good. No, he said he was able to boil it down to these three things. He says, this is what I require of you. This is what I want you to do if you're going to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And so we talked about that last week, certainly. But what is something, something that is interesting is that this is not the first time that God actually gave to his people a, uh, a shortened version of what they should be doing. For the people there in Micah's time, if they had just looked back to the book of Deuteronomy, where we're going to be today, they would have seen and recognized the pattern in their own lives that probably could have helped them a little bit. It could have helped them get out of their rebellion and their sin, but they didn't want to look back. They didn't want to read the word of God. And so they really had to go through that whole, that whole turmoil of God sending a prophet to them and telling them what to do and all of this because they would not look back and see what God had, had said. Well, what we're going to do, though, is we're not going to skip over that. So we're going to go back to that today, and this is where we're going to be in Deuteronomy. Now, Deuteronomy literally means the second law. It's a, it's a reiteration, really, of the law that had been given, and Moses, in a very lengthy sermon, which we won't cover today, from chapters like 5 to 11, then he takes a breather and starts another sermon, he gives to the children of Israel. Now, again, this time is very unique, so let's just uh, have some context here today. Okay, so you're, do you remember when Israel rebelled against God, and so they had to wander in the wilderness for 40 years? Do you remember that? In the wilderness for 40 years. And he also said that anyone who is over the age of what? 20. Am I right? Oh, man. Come on, guys. Help me out here. <laughs> Someone's like, looking, <laughs> look in their Bible. But those that are over that age would die during that 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The, those that were younger would actually survive. So now here we are in Deuteronomy 10, and we have a whole new generation of Israelites. They only knew, really, the desert. That's all they really knew. And so Moses is standing before them, and before they go into the promised land, Moses is giving to them and reiterating uh, and giving them these distinct requirements that God has for this new generation of Israel. They had not experienced Mount Sinai. 
They had not experienced these amazing things in that covenant relationship with God. They had not experienced the Ten Commandments. And so he is telling them all of these things. And so he is, uh, he is, uh, Moses is preaching this to him and he's emphasizing some things. So I'll just give you a brief overview. He emphasizes the desert experience. He emphasizes the importance of, of uh, uh, not forgetting God in times of blessing. That's a great message, Deuteronomy chapter number eight. He also reminds them that God is gonna go before them. Uh, like I mentioned, he retells the story of the 10 commandments and he does all of this so that this new generation of Israelites would not forget and that they would remember that God had some expectations for them. He's trying to let them know that, listen, yes, God has saved you. God's about to bring you to the promised land, but there are some expectations for a fulfilling relationship with God and ultimately a victorious life of faith. Israel's history proved to them, if they just took the time to look at it, it proved to them that if they did not meet those requirements, then their relationship with God was not going to be great. <laughs> it was, in fact, some, uh, the Israelites not keeping their relationship with God fresh that kept them from the promised land. It allowed them to fall into great immorality and sin and corrupt leadership. And ultimately, they became enslaved so many times and divided and separated because of their sin. And this is why Moses here is so adamant that they know their past, okay? He is adamant that they know what God's desire is for them and for his people. And so really what we're seeing here is God renewing to them his covenant uh, with Israel. And Moses is like, I do not want you to miss out on this. I don't want you to miss out on this. So for us today... Here's where we kind of step into this. We can learn a lot from this passage because, like me, I hope you want to live the victorious Christian life, don't you? Aren't you tired of losing out to sin? Aren't you tired of losing out uh, to the frailties of your mind and of your body? Aren't you looking forward to the day, one day in heaven, where all things will be made new? And I look forward to that. But in the moment, God, like we've read about, God can give us the strength to continue. And so if you want to live a victorious Christian life, if you desire to uh, grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, if your heart is truly that I don't want to wander in the wilderness of sin, I don't want to wander away from the Lord in rebellion, and you want to develop a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, then we can pay attention to what Moses is going to say here, and we can learn a lot from it, and we can grow as well. So what Moses is doing here, he's about to give them the entirety of the law again. But before he does, he, he gives them five requirements. Again, this is the word that we used last time. And everything really depends on it. And it's the base. It's the ground level for a growing relationship or for people that are stepping into a new growing relationship uh, with the Lord. So today we're going to be challenged a bit. So are you ready? We're gonna, I'm going to challenge you a bit from the word of God. And, uh, and I realize that some of you maybe are coming at this point, coming out of a season of sin that you've been in. Some of you, I recognize, might be right now uh, in a season of, of rebellion against God. And God has maybe spoken to you, and God has led in your life, and you're, you're rebelling against him. Maybe for some of you, you haven't really been faithful to his word as you know you should. You haven't been really faithful maybe to his church. Maybe you are new in your faith, and right now you just want to grow, and you just want to develop uh, your relationship. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and you need some renewal. You need some renewal. You need to see that uh, renewal of passion for the lost, a heart for God, a renewal of a love for others. Well, wherever you are today, I promise you, what Moses is about to say to Israel can help you, okay? It can help you. I promise you that. It has helped me a lot. Let's get in verse number 12 then of Deuteronomy chapter number, 12, uh, chapter number 10. So imagine Moses, he's speaking to the people and he says, and now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee? What, what does he say here? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all of his ways, and to love him, 
and to serve thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. Verse 14, uh, behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. Now, last week in Micah, where he says, what does the Lord require of you? We discovered that the word require is the Hebrew word daras, which means to seek with demand. So remember that in Micah. God says, this is what I demand of you. This is what I want you to do as a Christian. But here we actually have a different word that's translated require in this passage. And it is the Hebrew word sheel, which means to ask or request. Now you say, well, what, what, why is this really, who cares, right? Who cares about Hebrew? Anybody know? Anyone speak it fluently? No. All right. I don't either. Uh, But I'm learning. Well, here's why it matters. Because it helps us to understand what is being said in the moment, okay? So certainly, Sheel seems less demanding than Doris, doesn't it? Doris is like to seek with demand, meaning you need to do this. This other one is a request of us. So when we understand this then, what we recognize is that God here is asking us, he's saying, and we need to know that these requirements that God is giving to us are coming out of a heart of love for us. And it's God saying, listen, if you would just do this, things would be better in your life. Now, how many of you would be honest enough to remember when your parents told you something and you were like, that's stupid, dad. Maybe he didn't say it, hopefully he didn't say it to his face, you know, but in your mind you thought, yeah, right, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. You're like, what, like 40, you know, (laughs) you're super old. But then later on in life, when you're an adult, you're like, oh man, there was so much wisdom in that. I'm going to put both my hands up, okay? Uh, Nobody else? All right, that's cool. All right. I love how I am the only one who ever understands my own illustrations, so that's great. You guys make me feel so good. (laughs) Well, anyway, in my life, there were many times when my dad said to me, you know, you need to do this, Paul. You need to watch out for this. Pay attention. I was like, whatever. I do. I get myself in trouble. Or later on in life, I say, man, there's so much wisdom in that, okay? So here's what God is saying. He's saying to us, listen, this would be a great thing for you to do as a Christian. Now, you should be uh, doing justly. You should be loving mercy. You should be walking humbly with your God. He said, but these are other things that added in that if you follow them, I promise you, will be a blessing. And so for us today, when we see this, we need to say, okay, God is asking this of us. So what's our response? Well, our response is a willing heart, a willing heart. I was thinking about Mary. Remember when the angel Gabriel came to her and he announced that she was going to be the one to carry the Messiah. And remember how she responded after that whole thing, which would have been a mind-blowing story for her to hear. And just a crazy situation altogether. And how does she respond to, uh, to the angel there? She said, be it unto me according to thy word. What is that saying? Hey, I'm willing. Whatever, whatever you want. She didn't say, nope, stop, find somebody else. <laughs> no way. If you knew Joseph, <laughs> this is not going to go over very well. No, she said, Lord, whatever it is that you want for me to do, I'll just do it. Now, that's how we should respond when it comes to passages like this, when God says, this is what I want you to do. These are things I'm requesting of you. We should respond with a willing heart, saying, God, I'm willing to do what you want me to do. And that, if you can, if you can get to that point in your Christian life where you're willing to take that step of willingness and say, God, I'm willing, man, that can exponentially grow your relationship with God and radically change the way that you look. Those are big words, exponential, radical. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Radically change the way that you approach your Christian life. And for some of you that maybe you're like, I'm struggling. I feel like I can't, 
I just have a hard time growing. I feel like I don't feel God. I, I struggle following the message. I'm always, you know, I'm just having a hard time with my Bible reading. Maybe it's because you're just not truly willing. You don't wake up in the morning and say, God, I want to follow you. God, I want to know what you have for me. And you get after the word and you get after your Christian walk with a willing spirit. Let's see what God is asking of us here. Let's look back at the verse, verse number 12 and 13. He said, what did the Lord thy God require of thee? But to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. So we're going to walk through these here this morning. Point number one, he says, to fear the Lord to fear the Lord. Now, a lot of people don't like the concept of fearing the Lord, and it's because they misunderstand it. Maybe some of you, maybe right now you feel that way, or in your past, you know, when you hear a pastor say, fear the Lord, you're like, ah, like you're supposed to like cower in fear, you know, like, ah, you know, and always like worry, like God's going to strike me. Maybe some of you know people like that, they're like, oh, you know, God totally blew my tire out today on the way to work. You know, he's trying to, he's trying to teach me a lesson for what I said to my wife and, you know, or whatever. And people always view God as like he's just shooting lightning bolts at everyone and, you know, he's just up there and we're all afraid of him. No, no, no. That's not what it means to fear the Lord. Now, we see that all throughout the Old Testament. He says, fear the Lord thy God. Serve the Lord with fear. We'll talk about that in a minute. But to fear the Lord uh, means, in a, in, in, in a uh, I guess, a nutshell, to make it really simple, it means to have a proper view and a proper respect to reverence and to honor God, meaning it's to understand, like we talked about last week, God is God and I am not God. It's the idea that, okay, I need to approach him with a reverence. You know, like we said, Jesus is not your homeboy, right? And people was like, yeah, Jesus, you know, like, okay, there needs to be some reverence there. God is God, isn't he? He is a holy, thrice holy God. And there's a level of respect. And, and when we diminish God to just like, you know, our buddy who like helps us knock in a putt when we're golfing, that's really not understanding who Jesus is and who God is. And so there needs to be a, a, a correct respect. It's a high esteem that we worship him, that we see God with the right eyes of faith, that he is the one that is high and he is lifted up. Later on in the passage, verse 17, he said, For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not person nor taketh reward. He doth execute the judgment of the fatherless and the widow and loveth the stranger and giveth him food and raiment. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but it is fools that despise wisdom and instruction. And so to fear God, to truly fear him is to it will help me see God as he really is, and it'll place my relationship with God in the correct place, meaning he's not left out of my life. Right. See, if you really feared God and you were afraid, you would leave him out of your life, wouldn't you? But to fear God and to respect God and to have reverence towards him means that you want him as a part of your life, meaning he becomes the main focal point of your life, that in all things, as Colossians tells us, he might have the preeminence. It means God is above all things. To fear God also means to have a respect, as we read, for the justice and the judgment of God. To have a respect for that, that God will one day make all wrongs right. I was talking with somebody, uh, man, I forgot already who I was talking to about this. Uh, if you're in the room, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, uh, we were talking about, you know, like, like the justice. Oh, it's Tim. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> we were talking with Tim. Sorry. Uh, the justice of God, you know, and when God's going to make all things right. And, and we were talking about the idea that, you know, this world has it all wrong, don't they? You know, they view Christians as wrong. They view people who follow the Bible as, as just totally messed up. 
And then they view these messed up things of the world and our society, and they view those as right and positive and, and all of that. And there's just this twist, and ultimately, God's going to make all things right because he's a perfect God of justice. And we, we, we need to put him in that place of, of reverence once again. It's a choice that we must make. It's a definitive decision to put God above all else. Now, we understand this when it comes to our family, don't we? We understand that when it comes to our careers and things like that, we say, hey, my job is first or my spouse is first or my kids are first place in my life. That's all I care about. And that's admirable. But you know what? There should be something just above that. And it should be the Lord God. It should be the Lord God. God is saying here, you need to fear the Lord. Make, uh, make me above all else. If we put anything else above God, I feel like God's standing on the side saying, hey, that should be me. That should be me. And so first of all, he says to them, you need to fear the Lord. But then secondly, he says to walk in all his ways, to walk in all his ways. Now, we've seen in the past the concept of walk, and, and we see that in scripture. And that, of course, speaks of our, our just day-to-day life, you know? Our just, I'm just walking along my day-to-day life and uh, the things that just happen day by day, uh, how we go about life. It's interesting that so much is revealed in how I just live my life. And he's saying here that we need to walk in the ways of God. Now, when it comes to God, what happens, though, is that oftentimes we don't walk with God. We just basically jump with God from point to point in our life. Major events. Praise God. (laughs) Difficulties. I need you, God. (laughs) Or maybe like some, we just simply walk with God from Sunday to Sunday. Does that make sense? So Sunday morning, we go to church. Next Sunday, where's my Bible? I have it on my phone. I'm okay. All right. And then we go to church on Sunday. There's no connection. There's no day-to-day walk with the Lord. And and if you've lived your life like that for an extended period of time, you know how difficult that that eventually becomes. You eventually fall out of church (laughs) or you eventually finally get back to God. But God says, I want you to walk in my ways. That's the idea of like just day-to-day walking in the ways of the Lord. You know, our spiritual journey is, is, is just so important. And I was thinking about it in context to, to marriage again. Like, um, for those of you who are married or hope to be married one day, how do you think your marriage would be if, if you just came home once a week to remind your spouse that you're married? <laughs> you know? Like, what if Christine just rolled in, like, it's Wednesday, 10 a.m., and Brandon's there, he's got the kids, and he's like, okay. And she's like, hey, just to remind you, we're married. And then she leaves, right? Or she maybe spends an hour, it's like, did you make me any breakfast, you know, and then leaves again. I mean, that's not going to flourish. One day she's going to show up, he's probably not going to be there, right? <laughs> the locks will be changed, right? Your relationships don't flourish if it's just, just sporadic. I'm, everything's okay with them, by the way, just so you know, all right? <laughs> this is not marriage counseling right now. <laughs> just on the front row, right? That's, that's what happens. Front row. Front row's the best, right? Simon, you're next. All right. Next illustration's about Simon. No. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but it's a day, you got to have that day-to-day, right? That day-to-day connection, that day-to-day talk. So many times Jeanette comes to me at the end of the day and we have had a full day and she's like, I haven't even talked to you hardly, you know? And you need that connection time where we connect. It's your relationship with Christ is more than just dropping in once a week. It's a daily walk. And God says, I want you to walk in my ways. Make it a pattern of life. Uh, allow me to teach you and disciple you in ways that just doesn't happen on Sunday mornings. I love Sunday mornings. You should come on Sunday morning. Uh, it's a great time to worship the Lord together. That's something we should do. But your spiritual growth is not dependent upon today. Wow. Your spiritual growth is dependent upon what happens on Monday so through Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. 
And you should come to Wednesday night Bible study too. That helps, right? But your Christian walk should be growing during the week, not just right now. And God says, walk in my ways. You know, there's a lot of ways that we can choose as humans, aren't there? There's a lot of people that walk in the way of worldliness. There's a lot of people who walk in the way of the flesh. People walk in the way of drugs and of alcohol, of lawlessness, of violence. A lot of people walk in the way of pride and of unbelief. Uh, Many walk along in false religion and uh, false worship. And people can commit their lives. And many of you, you know what that is like to commit your life to something. But God desires that we walk in his ways, commit ourselves to his ways, that we dedicate our lives to him, that we commit ourselves wholeheartedly to his ways, that we owe and recognize that our utmost devotion should be to God and to God alone. Remember Ephesians 2.10 that says that we are his workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. There's a, there's a, a plan that God has for us to walk in, and it is to walk in good works and to walk in his ways. And so our daily desire, church, should be to walk in the ways of Christ. And notice how the Lord said, in all his ways, all his ways, right? All means all. Don't be selective. That works great at a buffet, right? <laughs> That works great at a buffet, but it doesn't work well in the Christian life. You cannot be so full of the love of the Lord and have zero mercy. (laughs) That's a tough way to go, isn't it? He says, walk in all of my ways, be growing in that and surrender to him. But it takes us being willing. Thirdly, he says to love him. Now, God is love, right? He created love. He loved us when we were sinners. And in fact, the only way that we can love God is because he first loved us. Remember that? So why then does God have to ask us to love him? I've always wondered that. Man, if you ever been in a situation where you had to ask somebody, do you, like, not like when you're dating, like, do you love me? Not like that. <laughs> but I had to ask a family member or to ask somebody who's close to you, say, like, do you, do you really love, like, you understand, like, ask them, like, do you love me? Do you love me? Have you ever been in a situation like that? You know how hard that is? That's hard, man. That just, that's hard. Maybe for some of you, you grew up and your, your, your father or your mom maybe never told you that they loved you. And you've always wondered that. And that's hard, isn't it? But that's how God often is, isn't it? That's how our relationship often is to God. That God actually has to say to us, like, love me. He's revealed himself to us in such a great way. Why does he have to ask that of us? Why does he ask us to love him? If I'm honest, it's because of my wandering heart. It's because there's so much else in this world that I could love, that I choose to love, that I choose to pursue rather than my love of God. And so that's why we've got to protect our hearts. We have to nurture our love for him. Just like I have to work in, in my relationship, and I have to work in, in my love for my wife. I love her, but I got to work at it. She needs to know that. I have to work at it. In the same way, we need to work in our love and nurture our love for the Lord. Well, how does God want us to love him? Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 tells us, the Lord our God, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. You know that verse. You've maybe memorized that verse before. Well, what does it mean? What does it mean to love God with all of our heart and soul and mind? It means that we love God with the totality of our being. (laughs) 
We love him with all that we are, body, soul, and spirit. We adore him. We cherish him. He's so precious to us. We desire to have an intimate relationship uh, with him. That means we're devoted. We are attached to him, uh, that we hold God near and we hold him dear to our hearts. We think about him. Our hearts are captivated by him and his word, and we have an undying fervor to be close to him. Some of you are saying, that's how I feel about my dog. (laughs) Okay, so take that love. (laughs) That's how I feel about my kids. By the way, that's a great love that you should have for your children. And now we need to attach that to God. No division, no half-heartedness. Love God supremely. Love him supremely. Verse 12, he says, what does the Lord require? Fear the Lord to walk in his ways and to love him. And then we see here to serve him wholeheartedly. I'm going to look at the verse just real quick. He says, serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. Now that sounds very similar to Deuteronomy 6, doesn't it? He says that we are now to serve him wholeheartedly. He desires that we serve him specifically here with our heart and our soul. Now, this comes down to our attitude of service, the attitude that we have when we serve God. Now, I'm not going to say that all children are like this, Simon. I I call it, sorry, man. Uh, Simon, I don't know that you're like this. We'll have to ask your parents maybe after the service. But, you know, Simon, have there ever been a time where your parents have said, Simon, I need you to go and do something for me? Your parents, they ever ask you to do stuff? All the time. Okay, good, good, good. We are growing. Yeah, you're strong and all that. So let's say your mom says, Simon, I need you to go and wash the dishes. And you know, because you just put your dish in the sink, there's a pile of dishes in there and you're like, oh man. Now, he probably never does this, but you know what it's like when he kind of huffs and puffs a little bit? like, And he goes in there and you know he's washing the dishes because you hear it, right? And you're like, don't break the dishes. You know, he's slamming stuff and the water's on full and spraying stuff everywhere. And he's, and he's just, he's, you know, he's doing what he's supposed to do, right? But he's not doing it with the right attitude. Now, this, this is the idea here. Serving the Lord with a, with a, a, a heart, uh, uh, wholeheartedly, meaning with all that we are. It's, it's doing it with the right attitude. Now, when we think of the idea of serving, of course, what we think about is us ministering and meeting the need of somebody else, right? When we are serving, it means that we are on the giving end. We are giving to somebody. We're providing for somebody other than myself. Now, I want to tell you something real quick. Bible reading, prayer, going to church, those are all about you, by the way. Sometimes people think like, oh, I went to church on Sunday. I'm a servant. No, no, no. Going to church, reading the Bible, doing those basic Christian tenets, that serves you. That ministers to your soul. You are on the receiving end of things. That is not service. Service is when we extend ourselves, when we give of ourselves, when we give of what God has given to us, whether it's in the local church setting or in other ways, it's serving God and giving of ourselves and being his representative here on this earth. Uh, Somebody put it this way. I thought this was so good. It's simply doing what Jesus would do if he were here, right? How would, I mean, how would Jesus serve our community if he lived over here on Slocan? He'd be neighbors. It'd be great. But, you know, how would he serve? How would he serve? He'd probably live in a basement suite, wouldn't he? Right? He probably would. It'd probably be tiny so that he could give, so that he could serve, so that he could help others. Serving with all your heart and your soul is thinking, how would Jesus serve this person in this moment? How would Jesus respond? You know, Psalm 2.11 says that we're to serve the Lord with fear. Psalm 102 says we're to serve the Lord with gladness. That's a great way to approach it. I'm going to serve others with joy, but I'm also going to serve others knowing and recognizing that God is on the throne, that he's in control. 
The fifth one that we see here is that we are to obey his commandments. Obey his commandments. Look at verse number 13. He says, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, that's his laws, which I command thee this day for thy good. Again, our attention is brought back to the word of God. We're to obey what God has told us. And so for us today in 2021, we have the word of God and we've got it completed right here. And this is such a blessing that we have this. And so we're able to look. And so when he says, obey the commandments and his statutes, we're able to go and understand and know what it is. We don't have to guess at it. We don't have to wait for some sort of special revelation to come our way. We have it right here. We have the completed word of God. Jesus even said, when that which is perfect is come, he's speaking of this. And so he says, this is a perfect thing. This is the word. This is what we can pursue. This is what we can follow. And it is good for us. It is part of a balanced life (laughs) is the word of God and having that as a big part of your life. God did not give us this so that we have this list of do's and don'ts. Don't misunderstand that. People think like, you just follow a checklist, (laughs) you know? And, uh, And they say, well, I can do a better checklist because I would leave some things out. No, he gave us this so that we would know what he wants us to do. And so he says here, I want you to obey my commandments obey them, follow them. And if you do, it will make your life a life of peace and blessing. First John chapter five, verse three says, for this is the love of God. Now that's the context. The love of God is that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Now, can we respond like Simon responds? Yeah, we can, right? That's a choice. That's a choice that we make. And some people do that. They say, well, I don't like that part of the Bible, so I'm just going to pretend it doesn't exist. Or I don't like the way, you know, that it causes me to give up something that I like, that I earned, that I did. You know, it's all about us, right? And so therefore, I'm just going to pretend that it didn't happen. Or, all right, I guess I'm going to do this, Lord, I guess. All right, fine. God loves a cheerful giver, right? A cheerful, serving him with gladness, right? He says here that we are to obey his commandments. Let me make it really simple. Okay, so if we obey his commandments, they're not grievous, they're not difficult, and his commandments are a way of his showing love for us. Let's put it, uh, I don't know, let's, let's, let's put it really simple. Okay, so God gave us a commandment to be a part of a local church, right? It's in the word of God. We see it all through the New Testament. People gather together for worship and prayer and serving one another. We get that, okay? And then let's just imagine, let's say you're part of a local church and then you have some trouble and trouble comes, right? Let's say you've got a, some sort of financial difficulty that comes along, uh, some sort of marital issue that, that comes up that, that you need help with. There's a, 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 a trouble with uh, just some, some uh, issue. Maybe you have a trouble at work, whatever it is. If you're following God's command and you're faithful in church, then when that trouble comes, what do you have? You have people to rely on, Right? You have, a, you have a pastor you can go to for counsel. You have a church family you can lean on. You have people you can say, hey, I'm really going through this difficulty. Would you pray with me? And then maybe they would come along and say, hey, I can serve you in this way. I can help. And so you have this whole church family network, and it's all based off of your obedience to be a part of a church family. Does that make sense? So now to some people, they say, well, uh, going to church, like, uh, it's so difficult. It's hard for me to do this. I don't know that I want to do this. And it, and it becomes this real challenge for them. And so they maybe remove themselves from that. Well, guess what? Trouble's going to come, isn't it? And they're going to have a, a trouble in their marriage. They're going to have some difficulty at work. They're going to have a financial problem. And then because they have removed themselves from being obedient in that sense, who do they rely on? They don't have anybody. So that's a really, really simple illustration. You say, Ryan, you're really hyped on the church. Remember, we just preached a whole series on it, so it's kind of fresh in my mind. Okay? I'm, we could apply that to any number of different situations in, in life where obedience 
God's commands are a way of his showing love. You know what God is saying? I know there's trouble coming. We live in a fallen world. There's difficulty. So I'm going to create something for you. We're going to call it the local church. I'm going to give myself for it. I'm going to preserve it for you. And it's for your good if you would just follow me in that sense. Does that, does that make sense? God is saying, this is a good thing. If you obey, then boom, there's some good things for you. It's going to be a help to you. And yes, you're going to have trouble, but you'll have my strength to come alongside. And that's really what it comes around. The problem doesn't go away, but at least you have support. See, following God's word doesn't uh, make everything go away. It doesn't make your life perfect and everything is just awesome. Can you imagine if that was the case? Man, that'd be great, right? (laughs) But what it does do is that it lets you know that you have help in time of trouble. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in time of trouble. Like we read about in Isaiah, he comes alongside of us. He gives us those things. And this is the message here that God had for this new generation of Israelites as he renewed his covenant with them. And really what it is, is it's a timeless message for followers of Christ today. Wouldn't you agree? I think that's a timeless message. We need to hear it always. But some of you might be thinking, and I like to put myself in your shoes. You might be thinking right now, uh, well, what's the point of all this? Why uh, work to follow and love and serve God? I can do pretty good on my own. Maybe some of you are thinking that right now. Well, Moses actually gave the answer to the Israelites because they always said stuff like that, right? Israelites were like, nah, we don't want to obey God. You know, and they, you know, we'll try it our way. You know, let's make a golden calf and let's, uh, you know, let's do all these other things. And uh, so Moses gives them the answer again in verse 14, like we read before. He says, behold, the heaven and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's. Thy God, the earth also with all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people, as it is this day. And here's where it all boils down to. The reason we should want a relationship with God is because he's the creator of all things. This is what it comes down to. The reason we do this is that he is the creator. He created us. He gave us life. He is the possessor of this earth. He knows the beginning from the end. He is our great God, and he delights in his people. Do you see that there? And that right there is the fact that we remember that he then, the great creator of the universe, humbled himself and came to this earth in the form of a baby who came and and came to this earth for the purpose of restoring a sinful and rebellious people to himself. And the fact is that he's still doing the same today. And if we've accepted his salvation, then we are a recipient of his love. And we then should desire to follow and serve and pursue him in all things ourselves because of who he is. Like, you ever known somebody who owned a business, you know, and because they were the owner, you're always like, man, I know the owner, right? <laughs> and so you like kind of waltz in like, hey, is a, uh, you know, <laughs> so-and-so here? I, you know, I have friends like that, people I've known, you know, you just walk in there like, yeah, I know the owner. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, come this way, you know, it carries something with it, doesn't it? Or, you know, you go to, or, or uh, <laughs> this week, uh, a, a friend of mine, uh, and I'm so thankful for this. I have friends. Uh, <laughs> I have friends, yes. And um, uh, he, he called me up and he's like, hey, uh, he gets free golf every once in a while. You know why? Because he knows the GM. And so, and I'm thankful I'm typically on his speed dial. And so uh, I, when I see a call from him, I immediately check my calendar, you know? And uh, he's like, hey. And so he took me and we go there and we get free golf, man. I wish I knew someone like that, right? <laughs> How awesome is that, though? And it's because why? He knows somebody. And so I just walk in there like, yeah, I'm here with so-and-so. And they're like, oh, okay, here you go. Here's your, here's your free stuff. Sweet, I love free stuff. And we go out and we play golf for free. And that was great. And I played really well. And I beat him, and that was good. So I don't, know if he'll, I don't know if he'll invite me next time. Maybe not. But it's great to know people like that. We know the creator of the universe, church. <laughs> we do. The omniscient, 
omnipresent. I mean, he knows everything. He's everywhere and we know him. Wouldn't we want to be close to him? Wouldn't we want to serve him? Adding to that, he loves us and so we should love him. So this couple of weeks, we've talked about the idea of requirements. Life is full of requirements. We've, we covered a lot of those in the first week. But there's no greater requirement than what God asks of us. There isn't. There isn't a greater thing than what God is asking of us. And these are ground level aspects of following the Lord. And I just want to tell you, and I want us to get this in our heart, that these can affect and really change your relationship with God. If you yourself would pursue fearing him, walking in his ways, loving him, serving him wholeheartedly and obeying his commandments, if you would just give it a shot, <laughs> say, all right, for the, month of, the rest of the month of August, I'm going to attempt <laughs> what has been talked about at church. I promise you, your relationship with Christ will dramatically change. And for the better, and for the better. But it starts with that willing heart. Remember we talked about Mary. Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'm gonna do it. Having that right attitude and that right spirit towards God is so important. And these are ground level things, church, that can help us grow, help us develop our walk with God. You might've been a Christian for 10 years, but you're still struggling in a certain area. If you'd apply these principles to where you're struggling, I promise you, you'll start to see some victory in that. It's not an overnight switch, but you will begin to see victory. You say, pastor, our marriage is struggling right now. I'm having a hard time in my relationship. If you would apply these principles to your relationship, you say, well, how does loving God, how does loving God help me in my relationship? Well, if you can learn to love God with a pure heart and a pure love, then what you're gonna do is you're gonna wanna know what God says. And when God says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, wives, love your husbands, even though they're weird. <laughs> That's in uh, Ecclesiastes or something. And he says, love. If you can learn to love God in a pure way, you can love your spouse in a pretty close to that. <laughs> and that will help. So many different ways that we can apply this to. But God is asking it of us today. He's saying, would you do this? Would you do this? So now it's up to you. You have to decide. You have to decide, am I going to obey God in this way? Am I going to trust him? Am I going to pursue him? And I, I just, I really believe, and I know this from experience, that your relationship with God will grow and develop. But you got to get these ground level things right. Well, we do want to thank you so much for tuning into the message today. And if it's been a help and encouragement to you in any way, uh, we would ask that you share the podcast. You can easily do that on either social media or maybe just uh, text the link to a friend. But like I said, it's our mission to help others find and follow Jesus here in Vancouver, uh, all across Canada and even around the world. And so you sharing the message today can really contribute towards that. Also, we would love for you to make a connection with us if you haven't already. And so the two best ways to do that is either by liking our Facebook page, that's City Baptist Church, or following our Instagram account, Advanced City Baptist. And of course, you can check out our website at citybaptist.ca. We do have all of our past sermon series on there available for you to stream, uh, past services, uh, worship, and just lots of other content and resources there to encourage you and strengthen you in your walk with God. 
But once again, thank you so much for tuning in today. We are looking forward to next week's message. We love you. We're praying for you. And we're here for you.